Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, the word enlightenment has taken on commercial overtones. It's a key word for SEO experts, search engine optimization experts. It's used on TV sitcoms and commercials, and it's the goal of most of those who are participants in any part of the human potential movement. It's even the goal of some people who are, are pursuing psychological growth. So what is that? What is enlightenment? Is it really something we can pursue, or is it possible that it's pursuing us? Are there degrees of enlightenment? Can we know when we're enlightened? Can we be certain as to how a person attains such a state or the state of enlightenment? Is it a state of being that we can claim like we would claim a diploma for a master's degree? When someone tells us that he is enlightened, should we believe him? These are the questions we're going to ask and answer as we discuss the trap of enlightenment today. So you want to stay tuned for all of this because in some senses, the pursuit of enlightenment can be a trap. So what do I mean by that? Well, if we're pursuing something that's as elusive as the uh, butterfly, then we're likely not to attain it. And if we spend a lifetime trying to attain it, then perhaps uh, we are chasing something that we'll never have. Uh, and so, so if my future is I'm going to be enlightened in my future, then I'm not enlightened now. And that, that idea is one that says there's always something else I'm striving for, whatever that something else is. So what is enlightenment? Well, there's definitions uh, as an individual as the people that use the term. But um, in the Buddhist world, enlightenment is to come to know ourselves as the Buddha. Um, in the Bhagavad Gita, it's to come to know the divine self so that we recognize ourselves as divine beings. Um, uh, it's a state in which we, uh, in, in some religions or, or some understanding of the word, come to know uh, the peace of that kind of internal reflection that we move beyond struggle and suffering we move into a state some people would call nirvana some religions will call it nirvana um, and so because we have attached those kinds of definitions to the term enlightenment the pursuit of it has become a western um, way of living for at least those involved in the human potential movement so that we, we think we're going to become something else. We're going to reach a state in which we will no longer suffer. And what I would say is that suffering itself is part of the delusion of the duality trance state. That's not to say I don't feel suffering. I do too. We all do. Um, but it is to say that w our vision of life our interpretation of the events in our lives is what creates suffering. Um, the Buddha said that attachment creates suffering, and I think that attachment is a factor of how we interpret 
the events in our life. So if I'm attached to a given scenario in my life and something happens to threaten that scenario, then my interpretation is that something about me that I hold precious or something about my life that I hold precious is being threatened and therefore I'm going to suffer to the degree that I feel that threat is imminent. Um, so I'm interpreting the, the event that's happening as a threat. It may not be a threat. In fact, it may be offering me a new paradigm for how I can live more peacefully, more open, more aware. Uh, but I'm not interpreting it that way, and therefore I suffer. And that's why I think we so very often reach that place of understanding about what was really going on in a given event way after it happens. So I may have experienced a particular dilemma. Say I had a, a, a boss that was you know, coming after me or, or was uh, creating a hostile work environment for me or something like that. And, and I look at that event and I say, wow, that was a really terrible time in my life. But I look back and then I also say, oh, well, that also was the time when I became aware that I could stand up for myself or I became aware that um, that I had some leadership capacities or I became aware. Do you see what I'm saying? So we don't, we, we don't realize the benefit of what we go through until after it happens. And that's, I believe, because we've interpreted it uh, wrongly during and shortly after the event. We've interpreted it wrongly. We've said, oh, this is a bad thing and therefore we suffer. And when we get to the other side of it and look back, where we have 2020 vision, we can then say, oh, I see. I, I gained something from that. Now, would we also look back and say we didn't suffer? No, because guess what? We did. We did suffer. We suffered to the degree that we interpreted reality the way we were interpreting it. Um, and so these events, you know, we, we can talk about automobile accidents and illnesses and, you know, one piece of one piece of <clears throat> dramatic suffering after another. We can talk about, you know, I've, you've seen it, I've seen it, we've all seen it, where people have just one thing after another after another just pile on over a period of time. Well, I don't know whether they these people happen to be going through a Pluto transit in their astrological charts or not. I would guess that that's a possibility because that's the kind of thing that uh, Pluto transit will do if you if we don't. Um, sort of surrender to the to what's going on, then Pluto just keeps on hammering us until we get it, and uh, that's not punitive. It's it's that we're meant to get it, um, and very often with the Pluto transit in astrology, we do get it because Pluto means to transform us, and in the end, especially when we look back, we go, oh, okay, that's how much I've transformed. In my own life, certainly I've had suffering. I've misinterpreted life along the lines of duality, just like we all have. <clears throat> and I think that, um, you know, as I have looked back over my life, I, I think that I've probably been four or five different people or have lived at least four or five different lives because my suffering brought me to a new place and a new identity. It helped me transform into a new person. And, of course, I can always look back and say, man, I wish I knew now. I knew then what I know now, but I didn't, and I, I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to know what I knew then so that it could transition to what I know now. And that's the process. And uh, the, the process of letting go 
is one in which we we can become more aware of surrendering to to more and more information, more and more of the flow of experiential knowledge that we get from just living life. I know that uh, at my age, I certainly know a whole lot more than my children do, although they would probably disagree with me on that. Um, And, you know, I know it because I've experienced it. They will know what they know when they get their experience, and it'll be different from what I know. I also know that my children are my teachers because everyone in my life is one of my teachers. And um, so to the degree that I think I may know better than them, for example, about their lives, that's the degree to which I'm, I'm misinterpreting. Um, I don't know what's best for them in their lives. Uh, I can give them feedback, but they've got to make the choice because they're adults. So <clears throat> when it comes to enlightenment, what you know what we think is that we're going to finally reach this place, um, this psychological, spiritual place inside of ourselves where we will not suffer anymore. We will not experience uh, life on planet Earth as, as any kind of uh, suffering. Um, so what does that mean? What would that, what would that look like? You know, a person who can experience life without suffering would be a person who can walk through the life events and see them as gifts. All the life events, see those life events as a gift and a, an opportunity for growth and a, uh, an opportunity for greater surrender. Um, but would we say then that that person is enlightened? Well, if they're still growing, if they're still learning, if they're still gaining knowledge, are they enlightened? See, these are the questions we have. We think that enlightenment means some final state where we get there and we're just there and there's nothing else that's happening in terms of growth or understanding. I would disagree with that definition. And I think that now as we've processed through the past 20 years in the human potential movement, some of us are beginning to say, well, now let's rethink this whole thing. Um, So, okay. What I think enlightenment is, is the place where we come to understand who we are as authentic beings. And that means that we are going to continue to experience life and to continue to grow into further and further awareness. Um, And so would I say that I'm enlightened? No, I would not say that. (laughs) I will not ever use that term for myself. And the reason is because that term has garnered so much garbage on top of it so much stuff on top of it that it's hard for us to dig down through that stuff and get to something that's meaningful so no i will never say i am enlightened am enlightened however i have met either online or in chat in chat rooms or discussion groups on linkedin or something like that where i've i've met people who uh, call themselves enlightened, and and actually, I've met some people face to face as well who say, "I'm an enlightened being," and I can easily say, I will say, I can easily say, I'm a divine being because I know that I am. That doesn't mean I always act that way. <laughs> it does mean that I am that. That is the truth of who I am. Um, so when somebody says to me that they're an enlightened being, I wonder if they're looking at it from that same perspective that I'm looking at it. And in that sense, then it's just the truth. We all are divine beings. In that sense, we all are enlightened. Um, At the same time, we're all still somewhat blind because we live in a world in which duality still reigns supreme. Um, And so 
The blindness is the problem. It is our blindness that we are trying to overcome through seeing the truth. Um, and, uh, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, some of the sutras tell us that seeing is the end all and be all. And I believe the Christian Bible says the same thing in that, in that what I would call a parable about the, the snake that's risen up on the bronze, bronze staff as the Israelites are journeying away from Egypt and to is what will later become Israel. Um, they, uh, in, they do something wrong and God gets mad at them. And he sends serpents into the camp, and the serpents bite a lot of people. And Moses is told to go take a bronze serpent and put it on a staff and hold it up. And as soon as the people look at that bronze serpent, they will be healed. And I think that's a metaphor for the whole journey through duality, where when we when we begin to see that we have we are both poisoned and blessed by that serpent. Uh, that wound itself around the metaphorical tree of knowledge and the metaphorical serpent that mount, round itself, wound itself around the metaphorical tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, when we can see that we both went blind and we will see yet even better as a result of having gone blind, um, then we look at the serpent. We look at the serpent held up on the staff and we go, oh, okay. Um, and as we know, bronze is a very malleable um, Metal has been uh, made into many beautiful objects, art- artistic objects around the world, and so that's why the serpent is bronze because we are are evolving into further and further consciousness as we evolve as a collective and individually here on planet Earth. So, um, would we say that once we look at that bronze serpent, we're enlightened? I wouldn't. I won't use that word again. Uh, but uh, uh, so. When we're talking about this whole idea of of um, enlightenment, what we're talking about is getting more and more vision of who we are and what we're doing here. Um, does that mean we ha- we can pursue it? I don't think so. I don't think enlightenment is something we can work toward to attain as we would work for a salary or a degree in college or uh, some goal we have. I don't think that we can work for it. I think it's something we more or less surrender to. And I say more or less because the word surrender is also fraught with a lot of garbage. And uh, so when I say surrender, what I mean is to recognize, to just realize the the, the – um, the, the truth of who we are and that is that is surrender and and as we process through as we sort of evolve through the duality trans state what's happening is we're becoming more and more aware and that that's a part of the life process it is not something we can work to attain and that is why i think that uh, stillness is such a huge part of any mystical religion um, stillness is that is a psychic place we can attend to with our being, with our bodies, with our minds, with our uh, awareness, with our emotions. We can kind of sit or stand in that stillness and recognize, realize that the stillness is the initiator of everything else that moves. And it is that realization that um, puts us in touch with who we really are. So, 
if we're chasing after it, if we're pursuing it, we're we're missing it because pursuing is the opposite of of stillness. Um, that pursuit that we have in the Western world so honored, that pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of prestige, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of money, you know, all of those pursuits, goals, even very noble goals like, you know, I'm, I'm going to serve mankind or I'm going to love all people or whatever. All of those things are efforts and every effort we have is amounts to nothing. I love the passage that uh, in the Bible when Jesus says, I think it's in Matthew 5, I'm not sure though, uh, where he says, I can initiate, I, I can do nothing of my own initiative. And what that basically says is when I do something that is not, that is of my own initiative, I'm doing nothing. So I'm really, I can run around like a chicken with his head cut off and do a whole lot of stuff and look like I'm really wow, doing a whole lot, accomplishing a great deal, but actually, it's nothing if it's not done by the essence of who I am. Just from that stillness, initiating all that comes after that. So it, 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 we can't really say that it's a, uh, we can accomplish this. We can't accomplish enlightenment. It accomplishes us. And we're going to talk more about that right after the break. So come back for more in just a few minutes. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back talking today about the Enlightenment Trap. So you know that the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research organization with education and membership as its priority, uh, whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community and the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And as we said, we're talking today about the enlightenment trap, and it's a trap because it keeps us believing that there's something out there that we have not yet attained and that we must strive to attain it. <coughs> Excuse me. That's why it is a trap. And what we want to do is avoid the traps along the pathway, along the journey. I mean, if somebody sets up a bear trap, we certainly don't want to stick our foot in it, right? So uh, this bear trap says there that you're not enough yet. You're not good enough yet. You're not there yet. You haven't arrived. Um, I've heard other people talk, and you've heard this too, about someone they know. So they say, well, you know, they're just not very enlightened. Or they say, you know, they just aren't there yet. They haven't arrived yet. Um, they just don't know what we understand yet. And we're we're kind of condescendingly sort of going, okay, well, you know, those people are not gotten what we've gotten. Well, I don't know what we've gotten. Here's the thing. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual teacher. I, I'm a therapist. I offer a lot of information out there. But I, I don't know what is true, really. All I know is my experience of what I would call truth. And that's all that any of us know. And everything else is a mystery. And what we've done with mystery in the past is we've set it up as something to be afraid of. Um, when we didn't understand things... We made it bad. Um, my family and I were talking about some of the old ideas that have been going around, or new ideas actually that have been going around about whether or not Jesus is married, was married. And um, there's a lot of talk about women and what men thought of women back in that day, and you know what 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 was uh, the cultural moray of the day in terms of what a man should and shouldn't do about getting married. And we've we've just been talking about all that just sort of as an interesting sideline and. And um, and uh, one of the things that we uncovered was the idea of women being unclean. And uh, particularly they were unclean during menses, uh, the once a month process of sort of uh, the womb cleaning itself out in preparation for a baby. And uh, what they said was that, that was an, women were unclean during that time. And what that meant was we don't understand what's going on with your body, and so we're going to make it evil. <laughs> and, of course, that's my theory. It's not doesn't necessarily have to be true, but I, I do believe it. And uh, I think we do that with a lot of things. We make things bad that we don't understand. So if it, we don't understand it, it's bad. It's a mystery. We don't understand it. That's all we need to know. It's bad. So stay away from it. And so that's what they did. They stayed away from women during that period of time. And... Uh, and, and you know we have we did not we don't understand the mystery of our being here, and so we've made it into a story about good and evil. We don't understand uh, uh, the w our own mistakes, why we do those, so we make them bad. Um, we we don't understand how we can do things that we don't even get, so we make that bad. So you see what I'm saying? When we come to a mystery, we call it bad. Well. 
enlightenment is just such a mystery and yet for some reason we haven't called that bad which i think is interesting um enlightenment is is a part of a mystical journey um and uh i I get that i'm sort of defining it again here and i don't really want to do that because i don't think i think it defies definition really but i think we have to talk about it in words because that's all we've got um, so when we talk about enlightenment, what what we're really saying is that it's a process uh, and, you know, but it's a process of discovery, not one of of growth or evolution, because we're not really becoming different. We're just seeing who we actually were all along and weren't acting like. Um, so I heard, saw one reader compare it to uh, the difference between going somewhere and the, and trying to change something and actually just sitting and watching something shift. So as a train goes by, you know, we could say uh, the scenery is go is going by, but actually the scenery is not going by. We're seeing different scenes as we go by, and uh, that that view is kind of like the process of enlightenment. We are in our worlds, looking out from our train windows and seeing the, the evolution, the process of our, of our vision, what we see changes. What we see changes. That's how, the simplest way I can put it. What we see changes. And that's as close as we'll ever get to enlightenment. So when we think that if we sit long enough, if we meditate and bliss out long enough, we're going to finally attain that state of enlightenment that's going to make the difference in whether or not we uh, can um, consider ourselves worthy people. We are missing out on uh, what's going on right now and appreciating who we are right now and really relishing in, in our own divine natures and even in our own, you know, uh, Adyashanti says that at the base of every ego is the divine self. And I love that because I think that is absolute truth. We have so divided up our understanding of who we are into these categories of this is my ego because it's sabotaging me or this is my shadow because it's some dark mystery that I don't understand about me and, or, and this is my higher self that is, you know, good. I know it's good because when I'm there, I can be kind to other people. And that's our basic reference is that we can be kind to other people. We very rarely say, I know that it's good because when I get there, I can be kind to myself. We, we most often say, I can be kind to other people. And uh, I would argue at that point, I think that love is love regardless of who it's addressing. And love loves the self um, and loves the life of the self and relishes in the life of the self in the same way that you would relish in making love with a partner. Um, it is that falling in love with ourselves that is the gratitude for allowing ourselves to be here. That just says, man, I'm so glad I'm me. Isn't this great to be me? Because this is what I was created to be. Isn't this great? And that that piece is what so many of us miss out. And the reason we miss out on it is because we are busy trying to attain to being good people, trying to be loving and kind to other people so that we can prove somewhere or somehow along the way that A, we exist and that B, we exist as worthy people. 
Um, so in that process, what we're doing is negating our truest vision. And so I see so many posts on Facebook and other places that say, you know, um, look, look to the future, dream about your, uh, come up with a vision for what you want for the future and, and, uh, and, and, and live into that every day and you will finally have your dream. And I'm like, but if we do that, what about right now? What about the dream that is trying to manifest right this second that we're missing out on because we're so busy looking towards something in the future where I'll be a better person or I'll be more worthy or I'll be wealthier or I'll be able to relax or retire or be well or whatever. Instead of that, just being able to say, man, I love this moment right here and look at me. I'm just such just this wonderful, magnificent being and I love myself. And when we can get into that kind of passion, it naturally radiates out to other people. But we're afraid that if we do that, that means we're arrogant or we're, we're you know, stuck on ourselves or we're egotistical or we're conceited or we are, you know, deluded or something else. We're not really, we're not really being the tr- truth. But the truth is I was made, you were made as an amazing being. We are amazing profoundly amazing i i sometimes think about how it is that my heart keeps beating and i keep breathing and how I, how the knee bones connected to the neck bone <laughs> you know how how i'm all put together so beautifully that's just my body what about my psyche and my my emotions and my all the subtle uh, connectivities that are going on inside of me all the time that is amazing it's profound and that anyone would think that that could happen randomly, you know, that stretches the imagination beyond the the supernormal uh, to something that's even to me feels very um, irrational to say, oh well, all of this organization came from randomness. That doesn't make sense to me at all. But a lot of people believe that, and they're certainly entitled to it. And for whatever their, whatever their journey is, that's what they're doing. And maybe that's somehow higher than what I'm doing. I don't know. Uh, all I know is my experience of truth. And so when I, when I, when I get to my experience of truth and really relish in that and just enjoy the heck of it, that's to me the best kind of enlightenment there is. Um, and when I can be, be, uh, try to attain some kind of certainty, that I've reached enlightenment, then I'm still trying to become something else instead of just being what I am. Um, and it is that, that, that is the trap. That is the trap because we're stuck there forever. It's like somebody's holding a carrot out in front of us going, okay, here's enlightenment. You hadn't gotten there quite yet. And we just keep chasing that carrot, keep chasing that carrot, keep chasing that carrot. And we never catch it because guess what? It's not a real carrot. <laughs> it's not even edible. Uh, so it, it, when we when we're in that state of striving after trying to become something else than what we are, we're we're missing out on what we are. Uh, and it, that process is blinding. It's you know people talk about the dark you know utter darkness that you can't see through. People say, well, I couldn't even see the hand in front of my face. That's utter darkness. There is that. And then there's utter light where we still can't see the hand in front of our face. We're blinded by the light. It's so bright that we can't see anything. 
And those are the two polarities of blindness. We cannot see because we think we're completely dark, evil, dark, horrible people, which most of us on some lower unconscious level somewhat at least believe. And then there's the light that says, well, I am an enlightened being and I have arrived and I have reached, attained this state. I know I have because I meditate and I have bliss. That That is also a form of blindness in which we can't see the hand in front of our face because the hand in front of our face is right now. Okay? It is right now in all that right now contains. Right now contains my many different varied emotions, my darkness and my light. It contains my my wrongness and my rightness, if you want to use those terms. It contains my... my um, my objectivity and my subjectivity. It contains my body and my mind. It contains my soul that contains everything else. It contains me. And I am a part of it. And therefore, I can surrender to that. Like I would surrender in a river, trusting that it will carry me where it's going to carry me. And trusting that in this moment right now, as I'm floating along on my back in the river, I'm looking up at these trees, these leaves, and those leaves are so amazingly beautiful, and I can feel the water rushing around my head and over my shoulders, and I can feel some of the rocks on the bottom of the river as I kind of put my toes down, and I can, I can experience this moment right here, right now, and that's all there is. So we say, this moment is all there is. But then every time we say that, we say, but shouldn't a person have goals? Shouldn't a person be trying to get somewhere? Well, I don't know about shoulds. Those are, that's a word I try to avoid, although I catch myself using it as well. Um, but I, I do believe that we have some sense in which we need to, um, we need to be able to, to see the future, work toward the future while maintaining the now. And that seems to be impossible for us. Uh, we, we seem to, particularly in the Western culture, we seem to want to be goal-driven. And if we don't have a goal, then there's something wrong with us. And that's how we judge ourselves. We say, well, how can you just be goalless? Well, I, I'm not sure that relaxing into the now makes, makes me goalless. I think that to me, success is this. Success is living in utter uh, openness to this moment right now. That is success. And if I'm doing that every moment, then each step along the way will carry me somewhere. And where that carries me, I don't have to know. But I mean, I might know. I might have an intuition about where it's carrying me. And I might have an intention about where it's carrying me. But the point is that I don't have to. And the more, <coughs> excuse me, the more I think that I have to, the more I'm striving and the less I'm being. So if I'm striving, I'm not uh, you know, at least aware that I'm li- actually living in be- beingness. I am. I'm just not aware of it. And it's that awareness that is everything. It's that awareness that really helps us uh, see that, that is what his awareness is. It helps us see this present moment. Okay, so, all right. How can we know when we're enlightened? We can't. Sorry about that. We can't. We, we, don't, we don't reach this place where we go, okay, 
I'm enlightened now. I got it. There's nothing else for me to learn. Um, and and that tends to be what we think about enlightenment. I don't wouldn't wouldn't define it that way, but that tends to be what we uh, we think. And so I will say this to you: when I hear somebody tell me that he is enlightened, I run because I, that that's a grave concern. And it, and and it's interesting to me that on you know some of the uh these sites that I was telling you about where you can have a group discussion with people about spiritual matters and it's on LinkedIn and and on uh you know uh various other ways of discussing things and even in person if if someone says to me they're in, uh, they're enlightened very often that's followed with a, some kind of what appears to me to be a dogma about how other people ought to be believing and how what it ought to look like and what people ought to be seeing and why can't they just see that and to me that's just uh, it's counterintuitive you can't be enlightened and be demanding that other people believe certain things at the same time that's my opinion do with it as you will but uh so that that notion that we're supposed to be a certain way in order to have arrived at enlightenment um is a judgment and can be seen just that way. Um, when we attach ourselves to that definition of ourselves, we have already lost that definition because it's attachment. So that's where we are. We're talking about how we can move from attachment to, to something more akin to real. And we'll be back to talk about that some more in just a minute. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. 
Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking about what it means to be enlightened. What is the enlightenment trap? And what we've said thus far is that uh, the, the enlightenment trap has to do with trying to be somewhere else, trying to get somewhere, trying to attain a state of nirvana or attain a state of bliss or attain a state of something. And so that's a trap for us because we can never really stay there. And what most of us want, and most of the time when I hear people complain about their journey, um, his spiritual journey in this sense, not in terms of suffering, but in terms of their, in terms of their attempts to attain to a higher self or to enlightenment or something like that, their complaints usually have to do with not being able to maintain it. They want to maintain it, that, you know, great elusive it that is all about enlightenment. And they've gotten enlightenment mixed up with a feeling of euphoria. Um, They, we can definitely attain states of euphoria when we meditate. We, I've done it. You've done it. Many of us have done it. Um, and yes, it is a, a beautiful, blissful state. And it can reappear at various points in our lives. And it, we, uh, we, but what we do with it is we try to grab hold of it. And we try to say, I should have this all the time. Because if I don't have it all the time, I'm not really enlightened. Well, thus far in my journeys, I haven't met anyone who has it all the time. I don't have it all the time, though I can say that there are are moments throughout a day when I feel myself surrendering, moments throughout a day when I feel that I am uh, really refreshed in that sense of joy and peace that can come, and moments in the day when I have joy or peace, Uh, moments in the day when I misinterpret reality and I lose that joy or peace or, you know, so I run through the gamut. I am a human being. I'm on my journey as well as everyone else is. What I would like to encourage us to do is to relax into that journey. That's why I'm talking to you today. Allow us to relax into that journey and let it be what it is. Let what comes up come up so that we can look at it and stop trying to fight it. You know, I've talked to other of the great master teachers and very often they'll tell me that, you know, the ego is is a problem and that we need to really uh, work to overcome its messages to us. And that if we can do that, we will uh, eventually attain to the higher self. And you've heard me talk about this before if you've listened to this show for any length of time. So I'm not going to go into a great depth about that right now. But what I do want to say is those people are, those teachers are sending out messages to their followers that say, either on Facebook or on Twitter or on, you know, just verbally or however they send that out that says, here's what you have to do. And so many of us back, you know, five years ago were writing step-by-step programs to how you can attain to X, Y, or Z, how you can get past this or how you can heal yourself of that or how you can uh, meditate or how to, you know, there was, well, here, follow these steps and then you'll get there. Um, I think that's, I do think that, you know, definitely they have all, all of those books have given us great ideas. And um, I don't think that any of them are wrong. But I do think that they, thinking in that direction and letting that be how we live our lives can be a trap. Because again, we're always trying to attain to something else. And we're missing out on what is right now. Um, 
we when we try to as I said in the last segment when we try to grab hold of this thing called enlightenment what we generally are doing is is attaching our identity to it and that's why when I, I said a little while ago that when I hear someone tell me that he or she is enlightened I run is because that person generally speaking has uh, uh, attached him or herself to the name or the title of enlightenment so now I'm an enlightened person that's who I am uh, and Again, if we say that in the sense of I am divine self, yes, I am, can't deny that, that is the ultimate truth of who I am. Am I consciously aware of that at all times? Probably not, but that is who I am. And and so if that's what they're saying, that's good, but generally speaking, when a person tells me he or she is enlightened, that's not what he or she is saying. He or she is saying, I have arrived. And if you thought like I thought, think, then you will arrive as well. And um, that's that's very dangerous thinking um, in terms of what we can, what, how we can identify with a state of being. So let's talk about states of being. What does that mean? Um, early on, Esther and Jerry Hicks talked about uh, a state of well-being in their books on the law of attraction and that, that the law of attraction would help us attain that state of well-being and that if we followed certain prescribed methods, we would finally attain to that state of well-being. Well, a state is just exactly what it's described to be. It's Montana, it's California, it's Alabama, it's Tennessee, it's New Jersey. It's a state. It's a place in the psyche where we can go and experience certain things. So if I go to California, I can go visit my daughter. If I go to, you know, I can, or I can go to the beach or I can go, uh, you know, someplace else or the mountains in the north and really experience that or, you know, go to San Francisco and hang out. And, you know, those are the things that I can do in California. In, uh, in Tennessee, I can hike in the mountains and in uh, New Jersey, I might be able to play on the coast. Yeah, every, one, every one of these states has a different thing to give me, a different experience to give me. So when I identify with only one state of being, I'm, if I, so that's kind of like saying I'm going to live always in the state of New Jersey and I'm not ever, ever, ever going to go anywhere else. So I miss out on all those other states, all those other offerings, all those other experiences, all those other opportunities. So when we strive for a state, what we're doing is striving for a psychological place to get stuck. And uh, I can't encourage that. I don't want to strive for a state. I don't want to strive at all. But if I'm going to strive, it wouldn't be for a state. It would be for wholeness. It would be for a sense of myself as a whole being in containing all that I am, not only parts of what I am. If I identify with higher self then I have left off what I think of as lower self. That means that I have left off a part of me. Therefore, it has nothing to offer me. And that means that I'm missing out on all the experiences and opportunities it could give me. So people say, well, don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. Get over your fears. Conquer your fears. Get past those. Fear is the problem. Love and fear are opposite. We can't have both in the same time. at the same time. That's the stuff we hear. And what I would say is that fear is love and love is fear. <laughs> There's no difference between the two because everything is one. 
everything that I am is one being. I am wholeness. You are wholeness. We're all wholeness because that's who we are. And when we say, I shouldn't be afraid, what we're saying is, I'm going to miss, I choose to miss out on the experience of information that that fear can give me. I'm going to be over here in this other state of New Jersey, living on the coast of the Atlantic, and I'm not ever going to experience Tennessee. Okay? So in that process, what's really going on is I'm splitting myself in half. I'm conscious. I'm allowing myself to be conscious of only one aspect of my being. And therefore, I'm becoming one-dimensional. I'm becoming less than who I am rather than more. I'm becoming less. In that way, we are trapped. We're trapped in a schism. We're trapped in an identity. We're trapped in a, a notion of who we ought to be, not how we ought to act, but who we ought to be. And I don't even want to talk about how we should act, much less who we should be. So when we're, when we're that, that attainment, that striving for enlightenment keeps us in that state. So anytime I hear the word state, state of well-being, state of being, state of peace, state of joy, my, you know, I, my, I'm, I want to go, okay, well, that's a state. It's nice. It's New Jersey. I like New Jersey. But there's other states. There's other places I can go. When we fear our fear, we are still being afraid. So we say, I should never feel any fear. I should only feel love because fear takes me to bad places. And oh my gosh, I can't go to those bad places. And oh my gosh, i got to make sure I don't have any fear. What are we doing? We're fearing our fear. <laughs> we're, we're, it's not, that's not going to work any better than receiving our fear for sure. So when, when we receive our fear as if it's a little child that's scared and we put it on our knee and we say, hey, what's the matter? What are you afraid of? And the little child can bury his head in our chest and just go, I'm scared of so and so and so and so. Then we can listen to that and we can hold the child and we can say, oh, okay, I see. I see you. I see that, that place where you are and I love you. Now that is moving from fear to love. But when we, when we say, oh my gosh, I don't want to be afraid because that fear is going to bring bad things to me, we're just fearing our fear. And we're, where are we going from there? We're going to one dimension. There is only one dimension after that. So when we say to ourselves, two things can't exist in the same space, we're lying. They can. Love and fear are the same thing. Uh, and and fear and love and and fear does not belie love and love does not deny fear. So when that that split off is just more of the duality trance state, and yet there are many people out there teaching us right this minute that when we are afraid we have lost our enlightenment, and so we oh my gosh I can't feel fear then I won't be enlightened oh my gosh I've got to get rid of that. So we're getting rid of various points inside of ourselves over and over again. Um, and that process is one in which we diminish our lives instead of expand our lives. I think we're as big as any nova. We're as big as the gases created by any star that explodes out there. Um, and we are as awesome as the power of the ocean flying into the beach and leaving its messages behind its shells and its crabs and its 
beautiful objects and then it carries something back out from the from the beach and then it brings something back in and that's what's going on with us all the time something's coming in and it's rolling in over us and it leaves a message behind and then something else in us is rolling back out to sea and when it comes back to us it'll be richer and better and stronger and more aware um, this this is the journey we're on. We're on a journey that is full of mystery. We're on a journey that's profoundly, amazingly expansive. We are on a journey in which we are contained and we are processing through something, evolving without even pushing the river. Without pushing the river, the river knows where to flow. And that's where we are. We're in that river and it knows where to carry us. We don't have to push it. We don't have to tell it what to do. We don't have to push ourselves to get better and higher and more noble. And that's not to say we just go, oh, well, whatever. I can just be, uh, you know, the a jerk today. <laughs> you know, okay, go be a jerk in the mirror if that's what you need to do and, and play with that. Let it, let it inform you. Let it give you information. But that doesn't mean you have to identify with it. So when you say, I'm going to be a jerk, you're saying, I am a jerk. I, I'm that, that's who I am. Um, so what we're talking about here today is, is an, not an evolution of, of, of growth, but an evolution of unfolding awareness that slowly over time we just become more aware. Why am I more aware now than I was when I was 20? Because I've had X amount of years to... To, to see things differently. I've experienced life and life has brought its messages in and took other things out and brought some more stuff in and took other stuff out. And that's what it's supposed to do. And that's what it'll keep doing until I transition into another whole way of, of living. After I um, shed this mortal coil, as they say, um, I ultimately think that we won't be shedding our mortal coral any anymore. We will ultimately reach a state where, because body and because form and formlessness are united, we won't need to do that anymore. Right now, that's still what we're up to, and that's good with me. That's okay. I like it just the way it is. So this journey is much more profound than we allow it to be when we get stuck in the enlightenment trap, and that's where I want to leave that. So next week, we're going to be talking uh, about a little bit, something a little bit different. It's, uh, it sounds a little bit different, at least, from today's topic. It's really not, but it sounds like it. We're going to be talking about inhabiting, inhabiting heaven now. I've got a book coming out uh, in, uh, later this year or early 2013 that's called that. That's the title of it, Inhabiting Heaven Now. And uh, the subtitle has to do with um, morals. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about what that means to inhabit heaven now, next week, uh, what, it, what it means, this concept of heaven, and what it means to live there, right here, right now, on planet Earth. So you don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for that. And uh, remember that we have lots of things that we can participate in this world. We can have lots of opportunities to open up and expand our awareness to uh, experience life deeper more profoundly, more aware of the amazing, profound, beautiful people that we are. And that's what I want to encourage. And remember that same thing. Your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. See you next week. 
Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.